Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Peter 3, just back a few pages. Peter's talking about the sacrifice of Jesus, 1 Peter 3, and he says these words, For Christ also died for sins, 1 Peter 3, 18, once for all, the just for the unjust in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, 1 Peter 3.19, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who were once disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through the water. And corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. I was talking to Dr. Green. He talks a lot about the Hebrew language. If you go back to Genesis, and he was telling me that the word flood, when you turn it around in a chiasmic structure or flip the word around, points to our heart. And the word flood has to do with our hearts being undone. And when the flood comes, when we give in to compromise, our hearts get undone. Is that you? You feel like you're under the flood. Some people even describe their lives sometimes as they feel like they're drowning. Drowning in their own poor decisions and sin. And God gives us the escape hatch. He says, come to me and come now. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 8 says, But God remembered Noah, chapter 8, verse 1, and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark, and God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. Mark that, God remembered Noah. In Hebrew, that doesn't mean that God had a senior moment, and then he came to, like, Oh yeah, Gabriel, Noah's down there! No, that's not what was going on here. The idea of remembering is zakar in Hebrew. It has the idea of being ready to act on his behalf. The Bible teaches that God will never forget us. He knows our names. Zion said, Isaiah 49, 14, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you, says the Lord. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. That's Isaiah 49, 14 through 16. Sometimes in the storms of life, it feels like God has forgotten us. We've all been there before. We're on the ark. We're standing on promises. We're floating by faith. And sometimes we say, Lord, where are you? Have you forgotten about me? But the Bible teaches that the Lord will never leave you, nor will he, what, ever forsake you. He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. But sometimes we feel forgotten. I wonder how Noah and his family felt over that period of months. You see, the ark was a work of faith, but floating was also a work of faith. Going with the flow in the storms of life and considering that God is faithful and he will bring us to the end of that destination where we're supposed to be. One writer says, After college and marriage, I found it easy to put on weight, get out of shape. A year ago, I became committed to working hard to take the sag out of my sagging waistline. 
Day after day, I worked hard on cardiovascular exercise and weight training, seeming to get nowhere, straining, sweating, and sucking wind, questioning my sanity. But then after several months, it was as though a quantum leap occurred. Weight began to drop off, muscle began to get toned, and endurance increased significantly. Medical friends tell me that during the constancy of working out, regardless of how I felt, a whole new freeway system of small blood vessels and capillaries was forming within my body. Then came the day when they decided it was time for a grand opening. Suddenly, more blood came flooding into the muscle tissue, and the resultant benefits seemed to be exponential. Likewise, when we're walking through the depths of trials, God is building up a secondary support system of endurance that we might be even more prepared for the next time adversity comes our way. I'm sure there were many moments in the ark where Noah said, Lord, when is this going to end? When will the waters recede in my life? When will I be able to move forward? Will I be able to move forward? And God remembered Noah. God is faithful to remember us. He, in, in fact, has us inscribed on the palms of his hands. And a wind blew. Uh, wind is ruach in Hebrew. It can be associated with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it passed over the earth. And God was moving and God was working. Could be the work of the Holy Spirit here. There's a decreation and then a recreation, if you will, of the world. And the Bible says when God parted the Red Sea, he parted it with just a blast, one of the best pictures in Scripture, of his nostrils. Just like a baseball player. And And this is what God does. He is king over the flood. And he dominates the floodwaters. Turn to Psalm 104 for a second. Psalm 104. I want to show you this wonderful psalm. Psalm 104 tells us what happened when the floodwaters were going to go away. Psalm 104. Look at verse 6. It says, Thou... God didst cover it with the deep as with a garment. The waters, Psalm 104, verse 6, were standing above the mountains. At thy rebuke they fled. At the sound of thy thunder they hurried away. The mountains rose. The valleys sank down to the place which thou did establish for them. Thou didst set a boundary that they may not pass over that they may not return to cover the earth. The Lord rebuked the waters, just like back to Genesis, if you would. Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves when he came walking to them on the sea in Matthew 14 and Mark 6. And the disciples says, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Can you imagine having that power? Shh! And the wind and the waves, okay, the Creator just said to be quiet. Jesus' power over demons, over natural uh, processes of the earth, over death itself, prove that he is God. Over disease, he's God. God moved among us in the person of Jesus Christ. In our very history in which we live, he left his mark on the world. And God caused this wind to sweep across And he can do that in your life. When the floods come, he can sweep out all the garbage and remove the floodwaters. And also the fountains of the deep ate to Genesis and the floodgates of the sky were closed. 
All divine operation. The rain was no accident. It wasn't some earthly phenomenon. It wasn't Mother Nature. It was the Father Creator. And He closed the floodgates. And the rain from the sky was restrained. And the water receded steadily from the earth. And at the end of the 150 days, the water decreased. I found in my life, maybe you guys can relate to this, that some things... In my life as a Christian, when I'm going through floods, God just closes off. He'll stop floodgates. He'll close off the fountains of the deep. But sometimes waters in my life recede slowly and steadily. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't always happen overnight as a Christian. It didn't for Noah. Noah would have liked everything to go away, but the water had to sink down and recede slowly. And that's how faith is. The Lord moved the the people groups in Canaan out little by little. God does some things immediately and some things happen over time. Some floodwaters recede out of your life slowly. And healing comes. And that's how God is. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the monk, monk, month, (laughs) the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. If you're interested, Google Ron Wyatt, W-Y-A-T-T, Ron Wyatt. He's a, he was an archaeologist, died in 1999. He went up to the mountains of Ararat. It's plural, not Mount Ararat, but the mountain range. And at 17,000 feet is the top of the peak. And there's a structure up there, an outline that looks very much like an ark. You can see it if you just go on the internet. It's debated, is it really the ark? It has biblical dimensions to it, and it is extremely intriguing. It's up in a place where it snows almost continuously, and the government of that region put a visitor center there, and they believe it's Noah's ark, maybe for financial reasons. But it is interesting to look at. Ron Wyatt, and just Google Noah's ark, and you'll see it up there. And so here's what happens. Then The ark came to rest. It came to rest on the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month. That's pretty specific. You know, if you take the civil calendar, which was switched to the religious calendar at the Exodus, the date here is the date of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died on Nisan 14 and rose most likely on the 17th day. I'm not going to push this too far. But that date is very intriguing. You might want to do a little bit more homework on it. It may be the date that Jesus Christ sat, rose from the dead and, if you will, sat down, rested at the right hand of God the Father. And so here is Vatana, a play on Noah's name. The ark rested. And there's going to be a time in the floods of life where you can rest. Amen? Sometimes it seems like it's never going to come. But Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. And the water decreased steadily until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains became visible. Seventy-three days later, the tops of the mountains became visible. Uh, I remember coming back from a mission trip from Nepal and India, And it was 24 hours one way on a plane. The last stretch of the flight was 10 hours. I was screaming inside to get off that plane. 
We landed at LAX and the pilot came on and said, we're having a little trouble at the gate and it's probably going to be another 45 minutes to one hour until we can disembark this plane. And people were just going, no! Can you imagine that extra time if it were you? I mean, you had to be screaming inside, I want to get off this thing, Lord! And 73 more days go. But in fact, the total time they were on the ark, when you take all the calculations, was 371 days. That's over a year on the ark with in-laws and animals. You're either a better person or you were insane when you got off the ark. Then it came about. The New King James says, it came to pass. You know, things in life will come to pass. It's a great statement, isn't it? Some things that seemed so overwhelming five years ago, they came to pass. Sometimes in life we feel like, is this ever going to end this season? And in many cases it comes to pass. And things we struggled with five years ago, we don't even remember what they were. Some of you are struggling with some things that you're never going to forget but they can still come to pass in the floods of life. And Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made, and he sent out a raven, an unclean bird that will eat flesh, and it flew here and there until the water was dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove, a clean bird, from him to see if the water was abated from the face of the land. Just a quick lesson here. Why doesn't God just tell Noah what to do? Why does he have to use birds? Because in life, God will speak to us sometimes and there's other times when he's just going to ask you to act, to use your gifts and your calling and, and do things and be active. And so Noah sent out the raven to see what was going on. He sent out the dove to see if the waters had abated from the face of the land. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. So she returned to him into the ark for the water was on the surface of all the earth Then he put out his hand and he took her and brought her into the ark to himself. The dove is a work of the Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down on him in the form of what? A dove, and it lighted upon him. And the work of the Spirit, it was happening in Jesus' life, and the heavens opened, and the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What we want is the Spirit to light on us. Amen? We have the Spirit of God in us, but the Bible says, be ye kept being filled with the Spirit. Extend your hands out and say, Lord, fill them. Amen? When I come into worship, that's my prayer. Lord, sometimes my hands feel empty in the floods and just the everyday stuff of life. Fill me again. Let the dove, let the Spirit light on me and land on me. The Lord is so faithful. So he waited Yet another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark. And the dove came to him toward evening, and behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was abated from the earth. Then he waited, verse 10 he waited, verse 12 he waited, yet another seven days, the day, the number of perfection or completion. And he sent out the dove, but she did not return to him again. The word wait in the Hebrew picture language means to draw near to Yeshua. Sometimes you've got to wait. In the floods of life, sometimes you have to act and sometimes you have to wait. You may be thinking about doing something silly or destructive right now. May I tell you, 
wait. Get before the Lord. Get before your Bible. Don't listen to the talk shows of the world as to what you should do to navigate the flood that you're in right now. Wait. Wait another seven days. See how the Lord might speak to you. Noah had to have everything inside him screaming to get off the ark. But what did he do? He waited. And in waiting, the Hebrew word, he drew, he drew, drew near to Yeshua, the Messiah. That's what we should do when we're waiting. Draw near to God and he will do what? He will draw near to you. And so he waited. And it came about in the 601st year, in the first month, on the first of the month, the water was dried up from the earth. Then Noah removed the covering of the ark. That's interesting. There was some sort of cover. And looked, and behold, the surface of the ground was dried up. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God spoke to Noah and said, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Do you think some people were afraid to get off? They become so used to their conditions. You know, we need to come, but the Lord also tells us to go. Go into all the world and do what? And make disciples. And sometimes you've got you to get off the places that you're used to and take a step of faith and step out like Peter did out of the boat. Amen? Don't always play it safe. God's a big God. If Peter wouldn't have stepped out, he wouldn't have walked on the water. Makes sense? If you don't take a step of faith, you're not going to walk on top of anything that's supernatural. And so go out of the ark, bring out with you every living thing all of all the flesh that is with you, birds, animals, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. This must have been quite a parade of animals. That they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out. And his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with them, every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by their families or species from the ark. And then Noah built an altar to the Lord. When the flood is over, may I encourage you, worship. This is the first mention of an altar in the Bible. And when God ends the flood and he, the waters go away, don't just move on. Don't just say, hey God, I'll see you next emergency. Don't do that. Worship. Our lives are to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to Him. And He worshiped. And He took notice of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. This is a play on Noah's name. Nahoah is the Hebrew word. It was a soothing rest to God, if you will. And the Lord said in his heart or to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man. For the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. We'll see more about this in chapter 9. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Human nature has not changed. Even though the flood washed all the evil away, our problem is where? In our hearts. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can understand them? And Hollywood says, follow your heart. Just it, it, You'll never go wrong if you follow your heart. Oh, 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 let me tell you something. Oh, yeah, you can. Your heart can be deceptive. 
The best thing to do is don't follow your heart. Follow God. Make him Lord in your heart. Set him apart as Lord, and he will take you where you need to be. I'll close with this story. I have a friend who was uh, a missionary, and he's a pastor down in Temecula. And uh, after 9-11 happened, nobody wanted to fly. And uh, I asked my friend, are you going to get on a plane with all the planes being grounded and all that's happened with airplanes? And he said, yeah, I'm flying. I'm going on this mission trip. It'll probably be the safest flight I've ever had. I said, well, what if something happens? And what if, the, what if somebody blows up the plane? And my friend said, then I'll be a burnt offering to the Lord. And I thought, wow. Apparently, there's still some Noahs around today. And the question that we all need to ask is, who do we want to be? Father, thank you so much for your word. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we know that the story of Noah is true. Noah was a real man. I believe he's in heaven today. One day we will talk with him. One day we may see video of the flood and how he dealt with it. But each one of us, Lord, face our own floods. The thing that we need to do as people, it's clear here, is run to the ark of salvation. And I thank you that so many in this room have done just that. They've run to Jesus while there was yet time to avoid the flood of judgment. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that you've made a way. You didn't have to. You could have just had us perish along with everybody else, but you've made a way. You've invited us to commune with you and to end up at the destination that you want to take us, which is heaven and Ultimately, new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells and sometimes out of the flood, new ministry comes. Times of multiplication and growth pictured in the olive branch. New growth, new perspective. There may be some here that they're in the midst of a flood and I pray, Lord, that you'll see them through. There may be people here who don't know you yet. They have not entered the ark and I pray that they would do so. They would see their need for the Savior, Jesus Christ, that all of our hearts are corrupt from our youth. We've all sinned. We all fall short of your glory, but you've made a way. You are the way, the truth, and the life with your head and heart bowed. If you've not met Jesus Christ, run into the ark and be saved. He is the way. He died and experienced the shame of the cross that you might live. He shed his blood that you might be cleansed of your sin, that your sins might be blotted out. If you want to ask him into your life, it's something very simple but very profound. You'll never be the same again if you open up your heart. And it's something like this. And I would just encourage you, pray it out loud if it's you. Jesus, come into my life. Thank you that you died on the cross for my salvation. I repent of my sin and I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you that you rose from the dead to defeat the great enemy of death. Thank you that you've made a way. I turn away from my sin and I turn to you. Seal me into the ark. Help me to know you all the days of my life. You might be a prodigal and maybe you've just been, you kind of created a flood and you need to get back 
in that place of safety. Uh, the door is open. So take advantage of that open door and run to him. And Lord, for the rest of the precious saints, may you just wash over us with your strength, your healing waters, your power, the dove of your Holy Spirit filling us afresh. Help us to forsake the ways of the flesh and walk in the Spirit. We love you, we worship you, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio today. Excited that you've joined us. Tell a friend about the program you're hearing here. And please keep us in prayer. We have some uh, exciting open doors for new radio stations. We have some exciting opportunities for some new time slots. And we could really use your prayer and your support. If you can give to the ongoing ministry of Living Truth Radio, we'd deeply appreciate it. It takes funds to be on the radio, and we're not a huge congregation, and we appreciate the support that we get from radio listeners. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire and you don't have a home fellowship, you're not connected with a local church, we'd love to invite you to Living Truth Christian Fellowship. The radio ministry that you hear Monday through Friday on your station or on the weekend is really just a extension of the normal pulpit ministry in the life of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And for those of you who are out of state or out of our area, we consider you family members as well. Uh, Living Truth certainly doesn't replace your local church, but we know you listen and we know you're praying for us and we appreciate it. Thank you for the support that you give to us, the encouragement, the emails that you send. We, we deeply appreciate it. And we know that even when you don't send an email, that you are still part of what's going on and part of the listening family. And we, we appreciate you and we look forward to interacting with you again. If we can be of any help to you, send us an email or a message through the website, livingtruthcorona.org, or you can call us Monday through Friday. We're here 9 to 5 Pacific time at... 951-735-2856. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch up to you next time. Maybe you've been hearing these messages about becoming a new creation in Christ, but you're not sure that you know him. Well, the Bible encourages us that now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And so don't put it off, because the Bible tells us we don't even know what a day will bring. So trust in him now. The Bible says that we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. You know, we see this reality in the scriptures of repentance and faith. Turning away from our sin, which is repentance, it literally means to do a 180 and turn away from sin and turn to God to do it his way instead of our way. And faith is a word in Greek which means to put our trust in, to entrust ourselves to Christ. Now, when we do that, we're trusting in his person, his finished work on the cross, and his resurrection, and, and trusting in him and him alone for our salvation. And that's how you become a Christian. You turn from sin and you turn to God through Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, Go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. 
You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.